this, that you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living within you. We could literally say that the same power that raised Christ from the grave resides within your spirit. This means that you are not waiting for God to move in your life. He's waiting for you to release the power already within you. Many Christians will spend hour upon hour upon hour praying that God would pour out his power, pour out his spirit in their life. When the Holy Spirit has already been poured out, we see an account of that in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit was poured out, and he's never left. He's dwelling within your spirit. We started in Romans chapter 1 with Paul's statement saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Let me begin today by reading that to you again. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God into salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. The gospel is the power of God. The, the challenge that I see is many people think just because we have the printed Bible that we have the power of God. But if there were, this were true, why are we not seeing more of the power of manifestation in churches today? There are some churches that are stepping out. We're starting to see the power manifest. We're starting to see it move in their midst. But unfortunately, this is in the minority of churches and not the majority. Why is that? I think that one problem we have is a lack of recognition for the Holy Spirit and His presence in our midst. There are churches that have whole prayer groups formed just for the purpose of praying for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit who is already living in each one of the hearts of the people who are doing this, that said praying. We do not recognize His presence. We do not recognize Him as a noble person. We do not recognize that he's the one flowing with in our services. And why is that? I think one problem that we have is the number of distractions today in society. If we move over to Romans chapter 8, we start getting an inkling of this. And I'll read in verse 5. We'll start in verse 5. It says, For they that are after the flesh do the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. They that are after the flesh. What does that mean? We could say that the flesh is a reference to the things perceived by our five physical senses. In other words, those who live after the things that they can smell, they can taste, they can see, they can hear, are after the things they can taste, smell, hear, so on and so forth. But those who are after the Spirit, those who have learned to look within themselves to the Holy Spirit, those who have learned to dwell in His presence, to dwell in a relationship and a fellowship with Him, are after the things of the Spirit. When you look at the average Christian today, how many times do we look at the Bible when we're not in service? How many times... You know, we go to service, we praise God along with the rest of the congregation, we clap our hands, we think we've had a major move of the Spirit if we, if we have goosebumps, if we have feeling, we have upbeat music, we have light shows, we have fog machines, but do we have the presence? We know how to draw crowds. We know how to get people to the altar to sign conversion cards. In one sense, you could almost say, we become very good at making converts. But how good are we 
and making disciples. We will look in another video, we'll look at this a little bit more in depth, but Jesus did not say, go forth and make converts of all men. He said, go make disciples. Making disciples is a much more intense process than just walking up to somebody on a street corner, leading them in a prayer, having them sign a card, and then walking away saying, we, saw, we had a soul saved. We made a convert, but did we make a disciple? Discipleship is one-on-one. It's pouring yourself into that other person. It's developing a relationship. In the book of Acts, it said they met daily, having all things in common. Unfortunately, in the church today, we've almost set up a class system. When you go to a minister's conference, they will have a special section for full-time pastors. In most conferences, there's not even a recognition for the pastors who are part-time or, you know, are building a church from the ground up that is not yet able to support them because they're not full-time. But then if you go and look within that pastor section, you will notice that seating is arranged by almost, I hate to say it, but almost by size of ministry, by the importance of the minister. Those with the smaller ministries, those with the smaller churches, we seated towards the back of the pastor section. And then as the ministry grows in importance, in reach, in respect, we'll be seated at the front. Do you think this is the way Jesus conducted his meetings? Do you think he treated people according to their social status or according to the way the Spirit of God was leading him to treat them and minister to them? This is a question we should be thinking about. Those that mind the things of the flesh. Preferring one person over another based on their social status is minding that person after the flesh. Preferring somebody because they have a larger ministry is preferring, is minding after the flesh. We need to be thinking about our motives our reasonings, our thoughts, our processes. We've almost created this special class system where we reverence the minister more than we reverence the Spirit of God moving through that minister. Over the years, I've heard ministers who keep themselves separated. They do not associate with the people. Only a select few in the church are chosen to have any type of fellowship. And the reason given is to protect their anointing. When Zacchaeus climbed the tree in the Gospels, and Jesus saw him, and cried out to he was crying out to him, and Jesus responded and went to Zacchaeus' house for dinner. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Within the Jewish society at that time, tax collectors were considered the lowest of the low. They were at the bottom rung of the ladder because they were considered to have conducted tre treason against their own nation to serve the Romans. Do you think Zacchaeus was glad that Jesus did not treat him 
like he was less just because he was considered to be bottom rung of the ladder. One thing you hear a lot about today in our society is you hear a lot about racial issues. You hear a lot about, you know, with the church that it needs to become more diverse, more inclusive. God is love. But sin is sin, and we need to call out sin. But treating somebody different just because of the color of their skin is minding the things of the flesh. Treating somebody different just because of their nationality is minding the things of the flesh. Treating somebody different because they're homeless is minding things of the flesh. Treating somebody different, you know, because they're in a lower status than you is minding things of the flesh. Paul goes on to say in verse 6, Romans 8, verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. In the Gospels, Jesus told us that he came so that we might have life, and life more abundantly. If we're not seeing that life manifesting in our midst, if we're not seeing that life manifesting in our families, in our churches, in our situations, I submit to you that maybe it is not because God is holding back. Maybe it's because of what we're minding, what we're focused on, what we're considering. Let's move beyond. Okay, I use the example, you know, my, you know, treating somebody different because of their color of their skin, because of, you know, their social status, so on and so forth. But let's take this to another step. When you wake up in the morning, do you just get up, get ready, head into the office? Do you make time for the Holy Spirit? Do you just go about your normal routine, taking care of your family? Are you minding after the flesh? Or is there an awareness of the Holy Spirit? When you go to work, is there an awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence with you at work? And people say, well, what do you mean? How can... You be aware of him. How can you be thinking about God while you're at work? You need to be focused on your work. You know, in addition to MB Media Ministries, I also work full-time for a company in a cybersecurity role. I work on a very amazing team of very talented individuals. And one of our projects right now is building a new architecture for a government contract. The architecture we've built has received recognition from several vendors who worked in the government space for the security controls, the things we've implemented. But what I don't tell people, what we don't, what I don't make much emphasis as, and I have mentioned it at times, is as we've been building and designing this, there have been times where I've hit a brick wall, closed my office door, and just closed my eyes and just said, Holy Spirit, I'm going to end to myself. Show me how to take this to the next level. Show me how to complete this part of the architecture. And he's been very faithful to do that. In a sense, this recognition they're giving for the architecture 
our team is building is a recognition for the leading of the Spirit because I've invited him into my work environment. I invite him to be with me on a daily basis. I lean on him. I look to him. I ask him questions because I want to be spiritually minded. I want to have the life of God manifesting within my work environment. I do the same thing at home. I want to have the life of God manifested. But as Paul said, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. What, do you, what is your focus on each day? When you get home from work, you're tired, you're hungry, you're ready for dinner. Do you plop down and turn on the news? Do you sit down and spend time with your wife? If you have one, or your husband, if you have one. Do you make time for him when you're driving to and from work, when you're going to and from the grocery store? Are you listening to the radio? Are you looking to him, spending some time fellowshipping with him? They that mind the things of the flesh. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Within the gospel, we find the power of God. We're called to make disciples of all men. But we have to make room for him in our daily lives. We have to make a conscious commitment to mind the things of the Spirit. To not be always looking and paying attention to the natural things more than we are the spiritual things. We need to develop a recognition of his presence in our daily lives. We need to understand that he's with us and wants to be with us, wants to spend time with us. But unfortunately, we most of the time leave him waiting for us. You see, Jesus came as our redemptive sacrifice. This is true. Jesus went to the cross, purchased our redemption. This is true. Jesus bought the forgiveness of all of our sins through the shedding of his blood as our you know as our final sacrifice for sin this is true but why did he do that was it just so we could experience a healing just so we could experience prosperity just so we could experience his blessings i submit to you that there was more to it than just the forgiveness of sins than just the healing of our bodies just the prosperity giving us financial blessings in Genesis, we can read where God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He created Adam and Eve for the purpose of fellowship with him, for the purpose of relationship. I believe the whole purpose of the cross, the message of salvation, is the forgiveness of sins. But the gospel message is really a restoration to that relationship. The Holy Spirit, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit's dwelling within you, waiting for you to spend time with Him, wanting to have a personal one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him. But unfortunately, most of us will keep Him waiting.
In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, this is a verse that's very dear to me. Paul says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, in the communion, the fellowship, the sharing together of the Holy Spirit be with you all. The purpose of the cross, I believe, was to purchase the forgiveness of sins, was to purchase mankind back from sin. But the purpose overall was to restore us to fellowship. And it's within that fellowship, as we learn to recognize the Holy Spirit, that we'll start to see the power Paul talked about when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, beginning to manifest in our midst. The power of God is already within us. Paul tells us the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is dwelling within us. Now, if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord, it's just a simple process. It's believing within your heart, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. We could give you a long prayer. We could give you an eloquent prayer. But anything as simple as, Lord Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross to forgive my sins. And I invite you into my heart and invite you to be the Lord of my life. And I receive your forgiveness. And I thank you for saving me in Jesus' name. Something as simple as that is all it takes. Believing in the heart, confessing with the mouth. We'll, we'll see in the next video that when you do that, the Holy Spirit comes, enters into your spirit. You're completely recreated into a new creation, a level of being that didn't exist before. You were born a sinner, but as a Christian, you've now become the righteousness of God in Christ. And we'll take a look at that in, in upcoming videos. But you need to realize the Holy Spirit is with you. You're not waiting for him to be poured out because he has already been poured out. He's waiting for you to acknowledge his presence and to spend time with him. He longs to have fellowship with you. He longs to spend time with you. We're going to look back at the ministry of Jesus and we're going to see how important the Holy Spirit was in Jesus' ministry. But here in our final few minutes of our time today, let me read one last verse to you. In, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, we can see Paul in his talking to the Corinthian church, relating his reliance upon the Holy Spirit. Starting in verse 2, and we'll just go back to verse 1. It says, I, brethren, when I came to you, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. <clears throat> and I was with you in weakness and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was with not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How is the power of God manifested through him? He tells us in verse 4, it was through the demonstration of the Spirit in power. Our time is up today.
and I thank you for joining me. We'll continue our discussion in the next video, continue looking at this gospel, this good news, preached by Paul, preached by Jesus, in our search to understand how to release the power of God in our lives. Thank you and God bless. Mm -hmm.